and I'm reading from verse 1. I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. I also want women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with de good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness with propriety. As I said, we're, uh, we're walking through the letter of, uh, of 1st Tim Timothy. And uh, we're exploring all these, uh, all these issues that Paul writes to Timothy about, uh, particularly in relationship to the church. And in many ways, the, uh, the first letter of Timothy is, uh, is a manual about how to do church, about, about how it works. And uh, to look at you know, what happens when it doesn't work. And uh, last week, uh, we were looking at... Uh, at uh, the church and its message, and we saw that uh, that that there obviously were problems, and, and in some cases it wasn't working. There was these false teachers, and uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. Uh, we we mentioned that this is kind of the uh, sums up the whole letter. It says, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these things, these instructions, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. So it's a letter uh, instructing Timothy, a, a young leader uh, in, a, in a church in Ephesus, about how people should behave and conduct themselves and how they should uh, do church together. As I mentioned last week, we were looking at the church uh, and its message, and we saw that the, the message um, that Paul was instructing uh, Timothy uh, to make sure was getting out there, it was about uh, teaching the truth, about ex, uh, exploring what is the truth and obviously uh, what isn't the truth. And again, that was relating to these uh, false teachers in the church who were teaching uh, something that wasn't quite the truth. It was about preaching the gospel. And uh, we, we hear a bit about that again in chapter 2, don't we? Uh, it pleases God as Saviour who wants all men to be saved to come to a knowledge of the truth. Uh, preaching the gospel was of paramount importance and uh, reaching the goal. It was important that, that Paul was saying to young Timothy, you know, you need to continue. You need to fulfill that word of prophecy that was spoken about you. So that was in, in chapter 1. And, and this week, uh, we're thinking uh, about the church and its members. 
And we're looking at, uh, at Timothy chapter 2, the church and, it mem- and its members. And uh, this morning, one of the things I want to say to you is that membership matters. That church membership matters. And uh, some people say, you know, join the church. Never. Uh, this is Leonard, who would never join a church after hearing the great the- a great theologian say, I don't want to be a member of any club that would let me join. That great theologian was uh, Groucho Marx. Uh, you may have uh, come across that. Uh, but some people um, don't want to join the church. Some people don't want to become, come in, in, into membership. And uh, this morning I'm going to be uh, uh, arguing and putting forward that the way that we do church, uh, the Baptist way of, of being church, uh, firmly at the heart of that is this idea of membership. And the idea of, uh, of membership is, uh, is, is about belonging. It's about the importance of belonging. This is from uh, uh, a Baptist Union publication uh, called Baptism and Belonging. It says, only in committed relationships can we enter fully into new t- the New Testament vision of the church as a community of love. Memberships means I move from attending to wholeheartedly belonging. Those who stay on the edge of the church will never enter into the fullness of God's best for their lives. So it's about the importance of belonging. And uh, in, this, in this booklet uh, about baptism and belonging, um, in, in, in the way that we do church, uh, as a Baptist church, uh, the, the traditional pattern would be um, that uh, you grow up in a Baptist church uh, at some stage, you come to faith as a result of hearing the gospel preached to you. Uh, at that point, you would get baptised, and then you would become a member of that church and live happily ever after. And, uh, of course, that's the, the, the kind of I- ideal, and of course, we don't live in the ideal. We live in, in a messy world, and people come to church from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of different traditions. And even here this morning in this gathering, you know, we, we haven't all started in the same place. We've all ended up in the same place, but we all, our spiritual journeys are all different. Um, but we are a Baptist church, and you, you might not have joined this church because it's a Baptist church. You might have joined this church because you like the worship, or you like the teaching, or you like the fellowship. There might be all sorts of reasons, but we are a Baptist church, and we work in a particular way. And one of the reasons I wanted to look at this first letter of Timothy is an opportunity uh, to remind ourselves what it means to be part of a local church. And, um, and so we... we Church membership, it, it matters, it's important. And sometimes people say to me, well, is it biblical? You know, where does it say in, in the Bible that I have to become uh, a member of a local church? And I answer, everywhere. Everywhere in the Bible, it says that we need to be part of a local church. Um, right from the beginning, there's this idea of a covenant that God makes with his people. A covenant that was very often uh, rectified by spilling blood. It was serious. 
Uh, very often in the Old Testament it involved uh, you know, killing uh, young lambs and goats and things to, 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 to make uh, the people aware that God was making a particular covenant with a particular people in a particular place at a particular, particular time. So throughout the Old Testament we have this idea of the covenant people of God who were special and set apart and set aside and God had called them into fellowship. And uh, it was, it was, you were, you were very uh, definitely part of a, of a group of people who did things in a particular way. And of course, when we come into the New Testament, what does Jesus say uh, about his death? He talks about the fact that you're entering into a new covenant through my body. And whenever we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper, we use those words, don't we? Uh, about uh, Jesus' body being given for us uh, as part of a new covenant that God was making. And, and throughout the early church, uh, we find examples of what it meant to belong in, in the book of Acts. You read about the commitment that people had to one another. They shared everything. They put everything into one pot. They opened up their homes. They ate together. They belonged together. There was no question about um, whether you know you were a member. When you became a Christian, you were automatically into this body of the church. And you became a member. But you had to opt in. You had to opt in. And throughout the history of the church, there will always and, and always have been... People that opt in and, and people that opt out. And uh, this morning we want to just say that the importance of belonging, it's important that we actually identify with a particular people. And, uh, and membership is, is the way that we, we do it. It's, it's the way that we say, I'm committed to this group of people at this particular time, in this particular place. I recognise it. In, 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 the, uh, in the little booklet about baptism and belonging, it makes the connection between marriage and church membership. It says, talks about the fact that, you know, you know, some people choose to live together. And when, we do, and when they do that, what they're saying is they want the benefits of, mani- of marriage without really making the commitments. And there's a sense in which when we opt out of joining a church and, and becoming a member, that's what we're doing. We want to enjoy the, the benefits of being part of a church without actually saying, I'm actually going to commit myself to this group of people. There are good reasons for not joining and becoming a member of the church. There are good reasons. <coughs> for example, if you're not a Christian, uh, you shouldn't become a member of the local church until you become a Christian. Uh, it is for people who are committed to God and, uh, and have received Jesus into their lives and, uh, and are living a Christian life. So if you're not a Christian, uh, it's not appropriate for you to become a member of the church. It's also not appropriate for you to become a member of the church if you've only just recently joined and you haven't decided um, that this is the right place for you. And uh, we wouldn't consider somebody for membership who'd only be in a church, you know, for a, a matter of weeks or months. It wouldn't be appropriate. Because it is a commitment. You're saying, I've decided that this is where God wants me to be and where God wants me to serve. Um, but after those two reasons, I'm struggling to think of a good reason not to become a member. And uh, like I said, I think in scripture it's very obvious that, that being part of the local church meant a huge commitment. It meant risking your life joining the church. The church was persecuted. Uh, there was no kind of, you know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just go along, but I'm not really going to commit myself, because being part of a local church was a dangerous thing to do. Uh, we don't think it's dangerous anymore. It's become very kind of middle class and very safe and very, uh, you know, we wouldn't describe it as a dangerous thing to do, would we? Or would we? I wonder. 
Maybe it is too dangerous for some people. So, um, the importance of belonging, it's really important that we actually enter into that relationship. And I really want to challenge, you know, if, if you've been coming to this church for some time, and you've not come into membership, then I just want to challenge you to think about that. To think about the reasons, and, and, and to look, go back to scripture and read again some of the passages. Speak to people, come and have a chat with me over a, a cup of coffee, and, and talk about it. Because you're actually excluding yourself from some really important parts of, of what we do as church. Peter was, was encouraging people to come to the church members meeting, and I would endorse that, and accept to say that you can't come unless you're a member. Um, and so can you see how, uh, if you're not a member, you're actually excluded from what is a vital part of church life. Now some people use that as a reason, they say, well, <laughs> I've had a really bad experience in a, a church members meeting, and uh, it's not for me. Um, but actually, I mean, we'll be looking at more, I don't want to get too much into church members meeting, because in a couple of weeks' time we're going to be looking at the church and its management and how it's managed, and we'll talk more about that. But just to say, if, you, if you're not in membership of, of the local church, you are actually excluding yourself from a vital part of church life. The decision making, the authority of the church is in the church meeting. If you're not in there, that's a place where we gather under the uh, influence of the Holy Spirit to seek the mind of Christ. And as a member of the body of Christ, we need every part. You're also, uh, <clears throat> of course, not accountable to anybody. If you're not a member, you're not on any accountability. Um, you know, uh, as members of the church, you are accountable uh, to the minister, deacons and church meetings. I'm, I'm accountable to the deacons and church meetings because I, just because I'm the minister, I'm not excluded from that accountability. There's an accountability that comes in membership. Now, we live in a time, uh, in a postmodern society where people uh, are reluctant to make commitments. You know, uh, trade unions, political parties are all suffering uh, in, in getting members. And it's kind of a reaction to, you know, people say, you know, that um, uh, uh, projects rather than organisations, relationships rather than institutions, short-term enthusiasm rather than lifelong commitment, people opt in and out of things. But church membership isn't something that you just opt in and opt out of. You make a commitment to God, but also to the people. So... I really would ask you to think about that. One of the places you can do that in house groups. Some of the house groups are going through this letter as we are on Sunday morning. And it's just an opportunity to explore it more. The importance of belonging. Um, and again, just uh, uh, to, to say, you know, um, <clears throat> being in a church member, um, there's a sense in which you wouldn't know this morning who was a member and who wasn't because we don't give special seats to church members although some church members do seem to claim uh, special seats but that's just a, a, another thing, you know what I mean uh, there's a sense in which you can come to this church and uh, don't whatever hear me saying that you're not welcome if you don't come into membership because there's a sense in which you know, uh, there are people in any church and every church and, and this church isn't any different where some non-members are more active and more committed than non-members. It's just a bit of a kind of, I can't work it out why you wouldn't want to, to identify and become a member because some people are already doing it. Uh, they just have a struggle with that idea of membership. So it isn't that, you know, if you become a church member you're suddenly going to get a, a seat at the front, although there are plenty of seats at the front. Um, but you know what I mean. Um, uh, but it, it, it is making a commitment to the people and to God. Uh, and 
you know, there's lots of scriptures. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. That's Paul's letters to the Ephesians. Uh, we've mentioned already 1 Corinthians 12, this idea that the church is a body, and we are the body of Christ, and it's only when every part... Every, every part of the body works together that the church is actually really uh, doing what it ought to do. And when one part opts out or doesn't want to play, uh, the whole church suffers, Paul says. The whole church suffers. So the church could be suffering as a result of people not actually playing a full part. Which makes you think, doesn't it? You know? Uh, with a family, you know, and you know in your own family unit. You know, if one person does everything, uh, that doesn't relate to a happy family. You know, if the mother in the family does all the washing, cooking, ironing, cleaning, child rearing and everything, it won't be a happy family life. It's only a happy family life when each uh, person in that family unit plays its part. I've probably overstressed, uh, but we tend to under-stress church membership. We, we tend to treat it lightly. And uh, I don't think that is the pattern in the New Testament. It was a real commitment. So the importance of belonging, and then Paul talks about the importance of praying. He's, he's talking to, to Timothy about, um, you know, instructions on worship, and he says, um, I urge the first of all that requests, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Uh, for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And uh, the importance of praying together as a church. Uh, church members are called to pray for everything and everyone. And it's interesting if you think about your own prayer life. Uh, think about the things that you normally pray about. Pray about. And how many of those things are related to you and your situation? I guess if I'm honest, most of them. And I guess if you're honest, probably most of them. Sometimes uh, our prayer life is extended a little bit and we pray for other people within the congregation. Uh, Paul reminds Timothy uh, that the church is given this task of praying for the whole of society. So it's important that we pray for our local community, our local councillors, our local government, our national government, our country, our world. And we heard this morning, you know, uh, how we have links uh, with India and through BMS we have links in other parts of the world. And we're called as a community of God's people. Uh, Paul says, I urge that first of all, that prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for everything. And it's interesting just to notice the different types of prayer. Requests, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings. Uh, we're good at the requests bit, aren't we? Lord, please do this. Lord, please do that. Lord, please heal this person. Lord, please solve that problem. Lord, please sort out this situation. We're good on the requests bits. But I wonder if we're as good on the intercessions and uh, the thanksgivings. You know, we need to extend our prayer life. It's not just about praying for people to get well or praying that God will do this. It's about us actually interceding. It's about our relationship with God is formed through our prayer life. Uh, as we talk to God, as we, as we speak to God and allow Him to speak to us. It's a two-way conversation prayer. And Paul says, uh, it's important. Um, the importance of 
praying. So there's the importance of belonging, uh, the importance of praying. And then thirdly, there's the importance of participating. The importance of participating. And uh, this is when we look at that interesting bit, which uh, I noticed one or two eyebrows raised as we read uh, the end of, uh, of chapter 2, and in particular in, uh, in relationship to uh, the women's role uh, within the church. What on earth is the preacher going to say about this passage? Um, is he going to upset people? Probably the likelihood is somebody's going to be upset um, by what I say. Um, but hey ho well first of all Paul says I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger, anger or disputing and again there's that emphasis on prayer and uh, on people actually participating in the life of the church and notice it's without anger or disputing so and uh, you know it's pretty obvious that 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 uh, there's, there's the idea that we actually participate, enter into worship. Very often, one of the problems of the way we do church, it can feel like a, um, a, a spectator sport, can't it? You know, that you sit there and uh, you watch what happens up here. And, uh, you know, we do that in other places, in the theatre, in football grounds, and we just watch what's happening without really entering into it. And Paul's saying, no, actually, uh, we're called to participate and enter in... And, uh, and play our part. And so he says, you know, men are to, uh, to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. But then he says, women should learn in quietness and full submission. I don't permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. Now I know some of you would probably say amen to that. Uh, without really wanting to take it any further. Uh, others amongst us might think, well... How does that actually fit in um, with the way that we do church, with the way that we understand the whole of Scripture? Uh, you know, is, is Paul actually saying uh, that women can't participate in the life of the church? Is that what Paul's saying? Well, um, Tom Wright, um, who is a learned scholar, um, who knows what he's talking about, is an expert on the, on the New Testament. He says this, he says the whole passage seems to be saying that women are second class citizens, they aren't even allowed to dress prettily, they're daughters of Eve and she was the original troublemaker, the best thing for them to do is to get on and have children, to behave themselves and keep quiet. That's how most people in our culture have read this passage. And it's true, isn't it? That a lot of people, uh, and maybe even people here this morning, that's how you read this passage, I don't know. Uh, it isn't how Tom Wright reads the passage uh, in, his, in his book, Paul for Everyone. Um, <clears throat> he, got, he starts by saying, by pointing out, first of all, he's not just trying to make this passage more culturally relevant. He's actually trying to do the honest work of exegeting the passage, trying to understand what the passage means. When we come to Scripture... You know, there is some work to be done because we don't come to Scripture uh, empty. We don't just read the Bible and without bringing to it all sorts of baggage. And part of that is our cultural baggage. Part of it is the way that we've been brought up. Part of it is the things that we've been taught over the years. Some of the things that we've, been, we've picked up here and there. We come to Scripture with all sorts of ready-made ideas. 
And part of our job, part of my job, but also part of your job, it's not just my job to work out what God's saying and to tell you. It's part of, we're to do that together. That's why house groups are so important. Because it's a chance for us to actually grapple with texts like this and try and tease out what he's saying. Well, well Tom Wright is suggesting actually um, that the key to the present passage then is to recognise that it's a com- it, it is commanding that women too should be allowed to study and learn. Now, in Paul's cultural situation, that was a radical thing to say. Because women were not included when it came to teaching and instructing. And of course, if you were to go into a Jewish synagogue today, you know, nothing much has changed. There's a, you know, the women, the women and the men are kept separate. <clears throat> and it's the men that do the teaching and instructing. And it, it would be the women that were encouraged to do the more traditional women's roles. That, that, that was, and to some extent, still is the Jewish culture. And of course... When we come to scripture, we have to work out what was cultural. So what was it that Paul was saying that was <clears throat> relevant to his culture? And as Tom Wright says, actually he's saying something quite radical. In fact, that women should be involved in learning and participate in, in instruction and actually uh, be involved in, in, in the teaching in the church. And also he points out that, you know, there's this thing about false teachers and he says... In Ephesus, he talks about the fact that in the culture that they were... He was writing to Timothy in a church in Ephesus. uh, The biggest temple in Ephesus was this temple of Artemis. That's the Greek name for the Roman uh, god called Diana. And in that temple, uh, it was women uh, only that did the teaching and instructing and circumstances. And Tom writes suggesting that it could be that some of these false teachers... Um, were actually encouraging uh, women to do things that traditionally they hadn't done. And um, and maybe getting uh, past what would be acceptable within their culture. And so, um, Tom Wright would be saying, and I would agree with him, that Paul isn't actually saying that women shouldn't play a part. And it's not just, and again, remember before we said, we don't just look at one passage of scripture and take it out of context. We look at the whole of scripture. Look at how Jesus treated women. Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha? What was it that Martha was so annoyed about? That Mary wasn't in the kitchen where she should have been. That Mary was actually sat at the feet of Jesus being instructed. It wasn't just that she was sat, wasn't in the kitchen, uh, you know, preparing the meal. It's the fact that she was actually acting, you know, like a disciple, a follower in receiving that teaching. And and Jesus, uh, the way that he responded to women was absolutely outrageous in his society. When the disciples found Jesus at the woman talk, at the well in Samaria talking to a woman, they are outraged and shocked that Jesus is talking to a woman. A, a Jewish rabbi wouldn't have done that. And Jesus squashes and, 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 and pulls down all these barriers. And of course, who were the first people to witness the resurrection? The women. Mary goes to the tomb. And it's revealed to her, first of all, that Jesus was alive. And she was the first person to preach the good news that Jesus had risen from the dead. A woman. So, those of you, and I, and I, and I, you know, I, I want to be sensitive about this. Those of you that have been brought up. With the tradition, you know, that the man is, is, is the head and the woman has to be submissive and that women can't be ministers or teachers in, in the church. Again, 
There is a biblical argument to say that women played a vital part and role in the life of the church in a, in a culture and a situation where it just would have been totally unacceptable for them to do that. Now, you might be thinking, oh Richard, you, you're playing with scripture here. And, uh, you know, I just believe what it says, I just read the Bible as it is. No, you don't. And I'll give you an example why. I'd like you to put your hand up this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you and make you stand up. But just put your hand up this morning if you're wearing anything gold. Just put your hand up. If you're wearing anything gold, just raise your hand. Okay, have a look around. Lots of people are wearing something gold. Okay. What is it that, that Paul said in, in, in that passage uh, just a little bit earlier? What did he say? He said, I also want women to dress modestly, with decently and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Now, you read that passage and without thinking about it, you decide that it's no longer appropriate. You know, we wouldn't have somebody stood at the door and say, I'm sorry, you can't come in, you've got braided hair. I'm sorry, you can't come in, you're wearing a gold ring or necklace. You would laugh at me and say, Richard, we understand, we know that. But without thinking, you've actually done some biblical exegesis. You've actually made a decision that this was something to do with the culture that Paul was living in. We could have looked at another passage where, where Paul says that women should cover their heads in worship. I can't see anybody wearing a hat. Now, it wouldn't have been too long ago that the women would have come to church with hats on. You know, that's not, that's not too far ago in, in our own tradition. But again, we have decided, when I say we, you have decided, that that isn't applicable. So don't tell me that we don't <clears throat> go to scripture and work out what it is that was relevant to culture and what it is that God is actually saying we ought to carry on doing. Because we do it all the time, we just don't think we're doing it. We don't realise we're doing it. And there's lots of other places I could take to you and say, we, we, we just look at that and we say, well that was their culture. And we make that decision. But we're actually saying, that particular passage, we're not saying it isn't true, we're not saying it's not relevant, we're saying the way that we interpret it is like this. We have to be able to give a good argument. You can't just say, well, I'm cutting that little bit out. Because I'm sure somebody will come to me after the service. It always happens. And, and do come to me if that's how you feel. Don't let me put you off. But someone always comes to me, well, if you're taking that part out of the Bible, how do we know about this part? We may as well just forget the whole thing. And of course, that's a ridiculous uh, leap to make from a genuine interpretation of Scripture where we're saying, this is the reason why we think this doesn't say what it seems to say. Or it says something that's relevant to their culture, but is, it's a cultural thing rather than something that we need to continue to do. So we're not saying rip bits out of the Bible and you, you don't need to get your pen and just, just, just rub that out. We're not saying that at all. We're saying the way that we interpret this scripture is that we recognise that Paul is talking about participation in worship. And he seems to be saying something that we, that, that seems to be excluding women, where actually if you delve a little bit deeper, he's saying something that's actually quite radical for his time and his society and his situation, in that women actually are involved in the study and teaching of, 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 of the Bible. And so, the idea that we, uh, you know, that we all participate in the life of the church is important. And it's important that we do 
all play a role in the, in, in the life of the church. So we want to say uh, about, uh, about being members of, of the body of Christ, we want to say it's important to belong. So important that we belong together. It's important that we pray together and that we pray for different areas of, of, of our lives and the world and the society that we live in. And it's important that we all participate and we all play our part. I feel like saying, you know, go away and discuss. Well, you can do that in a house group this week. Uh, if you're not part of a house group, do uh, come and see me. And uh, I'll uh, tell you where the house groups meet. And uh, you can continue that discussion and dissect this part of scripture. And uh, seriously, you know, it's a serious job looking at scripture and interpreting scripture. Uh, we don't take it lightly. We want, to, we want to be true, as Paul was saying in the first chapter. You know, it is important that we teach the truth. That we tease out what is true, what is, what is godly, what, what God is saying. It's important that. And uh, that's what we're trying to do. So, let's pray together.